I'm Joe Kane. I'm Sal Conca. And I'm Wayne Heckler. And this is the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com and everywhere on social media. To the bumper. Today on the Imperfect Podcast, we have some special guests. We're here with the creators of Eyes of the Roshi, which is a film about choices. Um, a boy discovers a dead body on the side of the road, and the decision he makes will haunt him until the end of his days. We don't want to give away too many spoilers, but we're here today with producer um, Ethan Martin, who's from Light Age Films, and also acts in the film. We're here with uh, Grandmaster Adam, who is the one of the leads in the films, and we're also here with Stacy Whittle, who uh, is joining us. So Ethan, I see that you're the founder of Light Age Films. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that started? Uh, it actually started out when I was a little kid. Uh, my dad was uh, an in innovator in film. He produced 150 motion pictures and uh, Broadway plays, and his clients range from Maurice Chevalier to Desi Arnaz to Errol Flynn. And none of this meant anything to me and my three brothers. It was the one day when Mo Howard of the Three Stooges called the house <laughs> looking for our old man. That, that, you never saw four kids running around the house as excited as uh, we did that. <laughs> there we and, go. And on, we knew uh, we would all find our way into motion pictures. Uh, Light Age Films was my uh, my getting into uh, the production side. Cool. So have you always been involved with film then from the acting side? Have you had formal training? I think my... Uh, I did have a little bit of formal training, but my first training was literally on sets. Uh, Buzz Kulik had me on Too Young the Hero in the uh, mid-'80s. Uh, Craig Fincannon, who uh, runs his casting agency out of Screen Gems down in Wilmington, uh, mentored me for quite a few years. So I, I was on uh, motion picture sets pretty early on, and my training was hands-on. So we know you're calling in from Virginia, I believe. Stacy, where are you joining us from? I'm calling you from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Okay, awesome. And uh, I, we noticed that you acted in uh, Eyes of Roshi, obviously. That's why you're here today. Um, you were part of um, one of Ethan's other films um, that's mm -hmm. coming, White Buffalo, right? And um, what else have you been in? Is there what, What's kind of how has your career arc gone? So I, I'm... I'm kind of I flip between two worlds I'm an economist by training and have lived all over the world and as such have actually acted all over the world I've spent the majority of my life in the Middle East and Ireland and South America and Europe and I'm mainly a stage actor and I've performed pretty much all over the world at this point so we have a third guest here we can't not ignore uh, Master Adam sitting in the corner over there um, <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, we know that you have a deep training uh, in yoga and karate do, um, but this is your acting debut. So what? How, what? How did you get involved with filmmaking? Did Ethan find you? Did you find Ethan? <laughs> A smooth show. Yeah, we found each other. Found each other. Eyes of the Roshi was actually 30 years in the making. Uh, my family had built a motion picture studio, the first in Virginia, the first uh, full-service motion picture studio. At one time, it was the largest on the East Coast. Uh, we shot Navy SEALs here with Charlie Sheen. Oh, awesome. And 
Grandmaster Adam was teaching yoga to my father. And uh, Adam would say, you know, you got to do a movie about me someday. And I'd say, all right, Adam, sure, someday we'll be together. <laughs> Grandmaster Adam, did you choreograph a lot of that all, or all of that, the, the fight scenes? Yes, about all of that. Uh, we had a stunt coordinator, uh, Lenny uh, Seward. And uh, between uh, Lenny and Adam, uh, that's where everything came from. But Adam knew what had to be done. Stacy, how did you get involved with these guys? I um, had met Ethan, and he knew about sort of my two worlds. And, and uh, you know, coming from an environmental background, I was really excited to join um, forces with him for White Buffalo. And then he told me about this film and suggested I audition. So a friend of mine who's... A fair, he's an Emmy Award winning uh, oh, filmmaker. He's like, I'll shoot your video, for, your audition tape for you. So we did that, stayed up all night doing it. Um, I submitted the tape and got the part. First of all, acting with Eric Roberts was like getting a master's class in acting. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one week of very intense, intense acting. Well, you, you mentioned Eric Roberts. We can't ignore his participation in the film. Um, Academy Award. Uh, nominee or Academy Award winner? Did I miss that? Uh, Academy Award nominee. 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 Train. But yep. very good, Sal. Very good. Yeah. He so pays attention. I, I, I got my notes over here. I don't, I don't yes, go anywhere. It shows you can actually read the notes. So, yes. Yes, I'm making strides every day. Um, but uh, so how did you get Eric involved in, in the film? Uh, we had this character named Booker who was uh, kind of a a hood that uh, required both a sense of humor. It was kind of like uh, an extension of the gang that couldn't shoot straight. So he had to he had to be a strong actor. He had to be comically funny without trying to be. And uh, Eric Roberts was on the shortlist of people who uh, I thought would be both good and I kind of wanted to work with. Now, I have to say, you had a very unique twist on, you know, the bad guy. I, I really respect what you, what you did. I was very impressed. I like your character. It was uh, unique in a lot of different ways. Could you share any insight into that character? What, what, did you, what was your inspiration behind that character? Uh, I had several. I'll start with the uh, quirk, because I knew that my character needed, you know, something quirky, and... Uh, Stacy over there happens to be a floss addict. <laughs> She's just uh, constantly flossing, and she would, she would campaign. She says, you know, if you floss really well, it's better for your teeth than brushing. <laughs> and I, okay, okay. And one day she said, well, why doesn't your character, uh, why, why isn't he a floss addict? And I thought about that, and I said, you know what? I love that. It's it's such a unique, uh, not a flaw per se in a character to have something like that where they're they're addicted to flossing their teeth constantly and constantly, um, but it makes it, it enriches the character so much to have that he, little he might, niche. Yeah, listen, he might be a psycho killer uh, who hasn't had a bath in fifteen years, but darn it, he's going to have healthy teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
And you could look at it a little psychologically too. It's like he's he's trying to get the bad out of his life. Like he's removing all the you know the corruption from his body. You could read deep <laughs> into he's it. He's delving I, so know. deep into yeah, this. I do, I do. I read deeply into character. Does that mean I'm trying to do that in real life? Well, that's Shoot. could be. That's for you You're, just gave me ten years of therapy. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to interview you, you again. You just set her back ten years, Wayne. Congratulations. We offer free uh, therapy, free therapy, and/or wine during all of our podcasts. So every Monday um, night. Every, every Monday night. Exactly. I I can't help but uh, noticing we have uh, Ethan Martin, Jonathan Martin, Seth Martin, and Richard Martin all playing parts in this. Not to mention um, I don't know those guys. <laughs> Not, not to mention Lucas um, Young, uh, Kwang Young, Lok Young, and uh, I'm pronouncing these horribly, I'm sure, and and my ten. These are all relatives of you two who are in the movies, uh, who, in, who are in the movie. Well, it's all coincidence. Well, they're all playing him at various ages, yes. so that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my brothers are all uh, actors, so uh, I believe in nepotism, and they all taught me how to act, so uh, I couldn't find better people for those parts. So how has it been having the production company there? I mean, do you, do you travel to Hollywood often? Are you traveling to New York often? I mean, are you literally doing everything there in Virginia with the company? Uh, Sal, uh, you know, I grew up in New York, Mm -hmm. And, of course, anything I wanted theatrically was minutes away. What I found was it doesn't matter where you are as long as you have dedicated people, knowledgeable people, uh, and people who are willing to roll up their sleeves to do something artistically. So, so you can get it done no matter where you are if your passion is in it. Yeah, and uh, these guys happen to be very talented. I mean, we have had Spielberg in town. Uh, Tom Hanks, Lucas, uh, Loving was shot here, and that's uh, going to be a huge film this year. Cool. Uh, so, I mean, I think the Mecca is uh, where you make it. Sure. Of course. Well, that's like, I mean, we're here on, out on Long Island, um, you know, close enough to the city, but far enough away to feel distant, right? And it's uh, they've opened up the, the studio at the old Grumman um, facilities here on Long Island, so they're bringing a lot of movie making to Long Island now, which has never happened before. Um, so it's an exciting time to be around. I mean, I, they're shooting uh, Kevin James' new series out of Long Island now, and um, I know Spielberg. A couple of the live, um, if you remember uh, NBC doing the live, uh, what was it, Hook and uh, Peter Pan with Christopher Walken, that sure. live thing that that was all shot here on the Long Island studios. Um, so yeah, you, it, it can be where you, it can be wherever you want to make it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's the indie spirit, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, yes, I, I actually think it's happening more and more anyway, right? As as these metropolitan areas become so prohibitively expensive, I think artists are naturally migrating to where they can live and work and not starve. And so, I actually think that Ethan is very forward thinking in establishing the studio there. Because it's only a matter of time before people do start to really look outside of New York and Hollywood and elsewhere for real talent. And I can say I worked with some of the most talented people I've ever, ever met on this film. And I think it's just becoming, 
you know, people are no longer saying, well, we have to go to New York to find an actor or L.A. It's like we can find them here. Yep. I, well, technology has leveled the playing field for right. sure, right? Um, and, the, and the cost of living has has unleveled the playing field such that now people need to leave to mm -hmm. pursue. Yep. Yeah, well, living in L.A. or California, hey. L.A. Or, or New York, the, the, the cost of living is ridiculous. Yeah. So if you, we can move those things into smaller areas where the cost of living is better, we're gonna you're gonna be able to get more bang for the buck for your production. Yeah. Now you know, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. Uh, Star Circle Pictures, which was the movie company I started with my oldest brother Richard, who's an executive producer on uh, this film as well. Uh, we were the first in the world to complete a movie with the AG HVX 200. So we were the first to make a movie with the P2 cards, the oh. digital technology. Cool. And uh, we shot our film in uh, two days, 40 setups a day. And wow. one of the things we talked about back then was how it would democratize movie making. So that's pretty much what's happened. So anybody who really has the burning desire to tell a story right now has that ability to tell their story. Well, let's talk a little more about making the film. I mean, so how how long did it take? What was production like? Um, what was the budget, if you don't mind sharing? Um, we know that's sensitive for some folks, but, um, you know, curious about, you know, we... we the practicalities yeah, behind our, it. Yeah, our audience is indie filmmakers, so, you know, we're always curious to get hear from others how the process went. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. If you ask Adam that question, his answer will be too long. <laughs> We uh, developed a first script, uh, and that took about, uh, I think, uh, from start to finish. And it would have taken $30 million to make that, that movie, <laughs> which, is, which is when uh, Joe and uh, John Mark took the lead on a totally different script. And... Uh, that script had a little bit more testosterone in it. The new script had a little bit more testosterone in it. Uh, we were able to hold on to many of Adam's uh, philosophical musts, some teaching moments in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, but that took us yet another year from the beginning of that process till the end. Meanwhile, we'd been doing scouting and we'd put together our crew. So... Uh, during that time, we won IndieWire's Project of the Week, and we were getting really good press, and people were excited about what we were doing. When that was but, all in pre-production, you haven't even shot anything yet? Uh, we went ahead and did an experimental trailer. Gotcha. Uh, you know, just so that we could talk to people and show them why they should be involved and, you know, to keep people uh, interested and to make sure that people would give us locations and wouldn't think we were just uh, casing, casing their, uh, <laughs> their place to, to rob them in the middle of the night. <laughs> and uh, basically in the summer of 2015, we shot. It was uh, three weeks from start to finish. And I think our last day of shooting was somewhere in the wee hours of June 7th. Uh, then post-production was a solid year, and we just had our first uh, screening August 20th. Nice. Gotcha. So it was just released. Um, so what festivals are you guys submitting to, or ha have you submitted to many or a few? Or 
Uh, I've submitted us to about 20. We just won an award. Uh, I think it was the North Hollywood International Film Festival, and uh, we were a winner there. Uh, frankly, what I've been most focused on uh, is distribution. We're speaking with four people. By the way, uh, Stacy, we found two more today. <laughs> uh, one of which I can probably tell you because it's pretty cool. Uh, Sam Sherman of Independent International Pictures, who lives up in your neck of the woods, guys. And I don't know if you remember uh, Sam Sherman or Al Adamson, who were the horror movie kings of the 50s and 60s. You guys? Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was hoping uh, one of them did. did. <laughs> they did more movies with Lon Chaney uh, Jr. and Keith yeah. Carradine than any other producer-directors. My, my dad was partners with Sam on many projects, and they were very dear friends, and they go back to the uh, late 50s, early 60s, which is uh, older than me. So uh, it, it was very special to hear from Sam today, who said he thought we uh, have a, a wonderfully saleable project, which is how he talks, and uh, he's thinking he'd like to take us on. So... Excellent. For me, sentimentally, that would be a, a real full circle and something special. But I've got three other distributors that I've been speaking to as well. And Stacy has opened up doors for us in Africa, part of her international development lifetime. And so we are talking to people about distributing in 22 countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother Richard, who does international uh, travel to uh, Asia and uh, has recently done work in Russia, has a deal on the table for us for Russian-speaking territories. So how do, you feel, of- how do you feel about the streaming services? Would you, are you looking to put this on somewhere like a Netflix, or is that not? We've heard conflicting from different filmmakers we talk to. Some people are like, yeah, we want to do that. No, hell no. We want to stay as far away from Netflix as possible. Uh, you know, I, I won't disparage anybody's ability to get their film out there, seen and heard. Uh, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, for us, uh, I think we're all in agreement here. Uh, we are going to exploit the film in the best sense of the word to the utmost. So if there's lim- limited theatrical to be had, if there's cable, if there's pay-per-view, uh, we're going to exploit every avenue and we're going to do it by the numbers. Yeah, gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, listen, you guys saw the film. So uh, apparently we wouldn't be here if you didn't like the film. So, yep, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, exactly. it's, definitely, it's definitely worthy of, of large-scale distribution, absolutely. And you want to hit as many people as you possibly can. I always look at Netflix as, like, not the last resort, but after first try to get it out in the theaters, you know, of course, make your money back for the investment that went into it, of course. And then later on, Netflix also, once it's been out there, and then get it out there even more that way. Well, but, a lot of views uh, people are having lately is that Netflix is the grave, uh, not the graveyard, but the nursing home mm-hmm. of films. Like, okay, they've done their run, they've done this, and I'll just throw it over here just well, to... no, it also starts um, series. It had a couple, yeah. House of Cards, well, so they kind of... They just made a great deal a movie, also yeah. with a $40 million deal to Chris Rock. Right? I, mean, I, I think we're just trying... We're, we're trying to maybe think about distribution in a slightly different way or a more global way, and I think we're, you know, because of my background working overseas, you know, we approached 
uh, a company in Kenya, and they were really excited about it. You know, it was almost like they had never even no one had ever approached them to to do this kind of thing. And so, you know, it's really exciting to feel their excitement about working with us. And you know, Eric Roberts and uh, what is it, um, Segal, Steven Segal, and Eric Roberts are two are two of one of two of the most famous actors in East and Southern Africa for wow. some bizarre reason. So they were, you know, they heard Eric Roberts and they were like, yeah, where do we sign? Is that now, like David Hasselhoff in Germany? Is that it like is. <laughs> I mean, whether or, not you Eric sings. That, whether or not you can monetize that, you know, enough um, right. is another question that we're trying to figure out right now. But Well, I think well if it works out well for you, I think you better be chasing down Steven Seagal for your next thing. <laughs> I don't know. We may be talking to you guys about your films and helping you with distribution out there. Sure, absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. Well, you know, again, uh, from one indie to another, we are wishing you all the best as well with uh, your your projects. Well, we appreciate Thank that. You. Thank you. It's one of the reasons. So, selfishly, it's one of the reasons we do this podcast is to make relationships and highlight talent and you know all that good stuff. So um, we're we're very fortunate that we have the platform and can give folks like you um you know a platform to show your talent so we, well, we, we appreciate, appreciate it. it uh i'll be selfish here and i'm just curious because i've got my background in journalism too uh what did you uh, feel were some of the highlights of the film uh what set it apart for you because it's a bit quirky and it's not your normal fare your your character in particular was was um, such an evil thing. Um, just the the scene where Eric Roberts walks in and you were sitting there uh, in the nude <laughs> with nothing but some uh, you know some scarring done. Um, there there was to me that was something that like the the scene was so well played off that it was just something that was like uh, Eric Roberts uh, reacting to you was 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 priceless to me. Uh, just the, the reaction interaction between the two of you really worked well for me. Sorry. I like uh, so Stacy, were you on set for that one? Yeah. Well, why don't you tell the story? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, boy. no, I just, I, well, first of all, I hadn't seen you all day and then I show up and you're looking like that. And I had made the assumption that everyone had seen you, but when they went to, to shoot the scene, you know, that reaction by Eric Roberts was so honest and raw because, quite frankly, he had no idea that Ethan was going to be, first of all, naked, and second of all, you know, with all of those scars. So I think that was like, we did like one take on that, didn't we? Because it was just brilliant. I mean, that was an honest reaction to seeing Ethan look like that. And, and you couldn't have rehearsed that. Yeah. It, was, it was brilliant. Yeah, and that's that scene was definitely a highlight, high point of the movie. You know, um, in terms of the story and um, the way it was shot, and and you know, audience reaction and all that was built into that scene. I think I like some of the dream sequences um, when the master put out his hand and he pictured holding the young girl, and then she was gone. I thought that was a strong moment. Yeah, and I like I liked some of the um, childhood scenes with his his kids playing, you know, uh, him <laughs> playing him as a child and things like that. I I I like more of the spiritual aspects of the shots. Um, you know, Wayne and I were actually debating before we were talking about the scene where he he punches and the guy, you know, he he um, 
takes takes the guy's arm down. And we were saying, should that have been more dramatic, or was it you know not enough that it just you know came down in a, in a one motion? And I kind of felt that was the point that w- that one swift swift motion was an, was enough to disarm him and leave him. You know, and Wayne was like, you know, maybe it should have just been a little more action sequence. And I was like, no, I was like, the point was to have that cool, calm, collective point. So, you know, there were there were highlights for all of us, I think, in in the movie. You know, because you have all the guitars behind you, I have to point out that, uh, you know, when Adam was growing up in Vietnam. That's right. He plays uh, the guitar in the movie. Western television was it. So Batman and the Ventures and the Monkees, that was all incredible stuff. So he also happens to be quite the uh, electric guitar player himself. Awesome. So that theme that's, uh, that runs throughout the film was actually composed by Adam. Oh, awesome. Very Excellent. Cool. <laughs> yeah, really good. Nice. And so, I see there was a picture of him also playing violin, right? There was a picture of him in a mountain playing violin. That, that's my son. He, he learned it uh, since... Uh, I have three sons, and they all play violin and uh, piano since they are three. Very nice. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Juan Nguyen. And then uh, Lucas uh, Nguyen, the little boy, is my grand uh, son. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's gotcha. So, Stacy, we, we haven't, I, we maybe neglected you a little bit. We've been talking to Ethan so much, but um, you know, Ethan's just, you know, cool <laughs> he's guy. Creeping he's creeping away. He's, he's moving out. <laughs> so it's wh- so funny. His character, just so you know, is so unlike him as a person. Right. Is, is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Honestly, honestly, looking at him coming on the interview without the beard, I was kind of yeah. relieved. I feel like that. I feel Joe like that beard afraid. is scary. <laughs> Sorry. <funny. laughs> so, I'm glad. Yeah. He's a good actor. Yes. Yeah. Between yeah. the master and you with that beard, I'm stepping back. I don't want to play. <laughs> I wouldn't let that guy near my daughter. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and well, the, the ending was great also of course we don't want to give it away we don't want to spoil that but I just love the way the film ended as well that's a highlight as well it's a surprising highlight but I don't want to give that away so you're going to have to watch <laughs> well uh, first I would be remiss if I didn't send you to eyesoftheroshi.com and of course you can probably find our Twitter and Facebook right from there and if you want to join us on Instagram Twitter Facebook all those pages are there, and we're very active. So if you actually want to talk to us, we will answer you. Thank you so much, guys. So and much. we look forward to even future projects, even after this one. I'm looking forward to the next thing that you guys try to put together. So good luck, guys. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. You yeah. too. Thank you.